If you got your Bibles, guys, let's go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And while you're turning, we're going to start reading at verse number one. I read something that uh, the other day says everyone needs a faith lift. Everyone needs a faith lift. It says faith can rewrite your future. The only thing that stands between a man and what he wants from life is often merely the will to try it and the faith to believe that it is possible. Faith is like a flashlight. No matter how dark it gets, it will help you find your way. Every tomorrow has two handles. We can take hold by the handle of anxiety or by the handle of faith. Listen to this. Regrets look back. Worry looks around, but faith looks up. Amen. Great leaders have one common spiritual gift, faith. God always holds something for the man who keeps his faith in him. Hebrews eleven six says, for without faith it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. Your life will shrink or expand in proportion to your faith. Let me say it again. Your life will shrink or expand in proportion to your faith. Everybody say faith. What is faith? Faith, the Bible says, now, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are not seen. Let me share something with you right quick. As a born again believer, if you do not learn how to walk by faith, you'll never be able to achieve the potential that you have in life that God has set for you to achieve. Amen. Faith is the key to unlocking life's victory. Amen. Faith is what God designed us and how he designed us to operate. So let's learn how to walk by faith and faith coming by and hearing by what? The word of God. Amen. So with no word, we don't have any faith. Amen. All right. So, so everybody needs a faith lift. We we need a faith lift. We need to, we need to make sure our faith is functioning properly and that we're operating. So we look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And as we look at this fourth chapter, we understand and we know that uh, this, this is the transitional point in this particular passage of scripture, the book of e- Ephesians. And we shift from positional truth, we, we talked about in the first three chapters, where we're talking about who we are in Christ. It is critically important for us to know who we are in Christ Jesus. Because if you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus, the enemy, I promise you, will come and try to tell you who, who you are not. The enemy will come and try to, uh, to steal your identity. Can I get a witness? The enemy will come and try to make you think you are less than. But I got news for you. God saved you. He delivered you. He gave you his grace and mercy. And he loves every last one of us in here. And he wants to use you for kingdom building purposes. Are y'all with me today? So, so, so we, we, faith is, is critically important for us to get there. But, but again, we look at this, we shift from positional truth, who we are in Christ. We got to know who we are. And then now we go to the temporal truth or the practical truth, the daily life of faith. We got to, what is, what is my faith? What, is, what does my belief look like in everyday action? What does my belief look like when I go to work? What does my belief look like when I'm trying to do marriage God's way? What does my belief look like uh, 
as it relates to how I handle my financial resources or my material material possessions. All of those things should be quantified and, and we should see our belief or our faith or our, our, our theology in everything that we do in our practical life. Are y'all with me today? So, so temporal, temporal truth is the application of positional truth to our everyday lives. Because I am righteous, now I can live it. Amen? Because I am holy, now I can be holy. Because I am sanctified, now I can act sanctified. To be sanctified means to be what? To set apart for God's use and for God's purpose. That's why I am positionally. The moment I invite Jesus Christ into my heart to save me, then now I become sanctified. Everybody say sanctified. Don't be scared of that term. Some of us grew up scared of sanctified because that that carried all kinds of negative connotations in our minds. We figure sanctified meant you had to wear a long dress, no makeup, don't cut your hair, right? You do, and you run around the church, you spoke in tongues, whatever, and 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 that was the sanctified church. Let me see the hands of y'all who had that negative connotation of what it meant to be sanctified. All right. But sanctified means simply I've been set apart for God's use and for God's purpose. God, God saved me and he kept me here, Brother Benson, to use me to advance his kingdom agenda. He saved me. He saved you and kept you here so that he can utilize you to help reach somebody else. Can I get a witness up in here? So, so, so now we get into, we know we're sanctified, so we need to start acting like it. The truth of the matter is this, guys. The church and the ability of the, the gospel message to reach the community has been hindered because too many of us in here have not been living like we're sanctified. Is this mic still on? Too many of us in here have not been living as if we know Jesus. And so we get into this part now, and I need y'all to listen real carefully. Because we're going to talk about stuff that you deal with in everyday life. One part of here, Paul says, stop lying. You don't need a Greek dictionary. You don't need the Hebrew root word to know what it means to stop lying. Speak every man truth to his neighbor, all right? So we're going to get into the practical things. And as we get into these practical things, when you find yourself not doing these things or transgressing God's will, then it, it, the word of God is a mirror to us. And we got to look at ourselves in that mirror and see where we're not measuring up and then make a course correction. Amen. Are y'all with me today? Amen. All right. So let's, get, let's, let's, let's jump into this thing, okay? Because Paul tells us uh, in this last half of Ephesians that the things that he tells us in this last half of the book of Ephesians are impossible for the natural man to do in his own strength. You can't do this in your own strength. You cannot love your neighbor as yourself in your own strength. I will tell you, you cannot. Because some of y'all are mad at somebody right now. Some of y'all are upset and, 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 or, 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 or in a state of dis, uh, disconnection with somebody who's your family member or your coworker, or even your church member. And God says, we got to walk in unity. And we got to get this thing right, all right? So you can't do it in your own strength. Everybody understand that? The Holy Spirit is here to help you and help me live this Christian life. 
Only when the power of the Lord is used can the Christian life become a reality. Through the word and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we can live like Christ in this fallen world that we live in. Okay, so let's, 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 let's look at verse number one. Paul said this, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And Britt, if you could, let's, let's look at that. I wanna, I'm going to deal a lot with the KJV because I, I want to use that word walk because walk is significant and synonymous. Uh, all of us understand what walking means. How many of y'all walk for exercise? Anybody? Okay. We walk. Uh, how many of y'all have to, you, what you, if you go anywhere and get out of the car, if you're able, you have to walk from your car to the grocery store, right? Is that right? And if the grocery store is crowded on a Saturday morning, you might have to park way out from the door, right? Or some of y'all who are Christians who will park in the handicapped parking spot and you are not handicapped. Maria and I had a discussion about this on yesterday. We were looking at this guy. I said, that, that guy, why is that guy parked in that handicapped parking spot? He's walking real good. I don't see a, I don't see a handicapped a plate on, on there, and I don't see a thing in the window. She said, well, maybe he forgot it at home. I said, well, Mary, he maybe forgot it at home, but that dude is walking real good. He almost had a little pimp walk to him, you know, <laughs> going to the grocery store. See, y'all, y'all know I'm going to check all of us in here, right? When you roll up to any place of a, 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 a business and you pull into a handicapped parking spot and you are not handicapped, do not have a, 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 a disability sticker, then you have no business as a Christian parking there saying, I'm going to go in there for two minutes and come right back out. Amen. Everybody say that is wrong. wrong. Say it again, say it's wrong. wrong. Now look at your husband and your wife and say, don't do that again. <laughs> are you with me today? All right, so, 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 so let's, let's go watch this. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you what? Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Let's keep going. Next verse says what? With all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Let's go to the next verse. It says this. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 4, let's go. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. Next verse says this. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse number 6 says this. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. So let's stop right there for a second and let's see if we can begin to unpack something. Now, walking is an outward physical function which represents a spiritual truth. Just as walking in the natural is a means of traveling from one place to another, in the spiritual, walking refers to traveling from immaturity to spiritual maturity. Traveling from a baby state like many in the church of Corinth were to a a, a state when you are spiritually mature or spiritual adulthood. I submit to you, and I think I can prove it by just doing a, a, a cursory look at the church today. There are too many of our churches who are not effective because we got too many babies in the church. Spiritually speaking, I'm talking about. 
And your babyhood is not determined by your age. We have some 85-year-old babies in the church. We have some 15-year-old babies in the church. We have some 50, 60, 65-year-old babies, spiritually speaking, in the church. And as a result, it hinders the effectiveness of the ministry to be able to do God's work. So that's why I, as your pastor, remember I told you I've been called to stretch you. Did y'all remember me telling you a few weeks back? My job is to stretch you because if you're not stretched, you'll think that's as far as you can go. But if you have somebody stretching you, you end up going all the way down and touching your toes. Can y'all touch your toes now? Don't try it right now. I want y'all to pull something and try to sue the church. Because the pastor made me pull a back muscle. And then you'll say, well, I'm not suing the church. I'm just suing the insurance company. No, no, no. All right. So, so, so we have to be stretched to get to where we need to be in Christ Jesus. Amen. But walking symbolizes that growth from spiritual immaturity to spiritual maturity. Walking refers traveling from immaturity to spiritual adulthood. Walking requires one step at a time, amen? Just as the Christian life is lived one day at a time. Everybody say one day at a time. Go to Matthew, the sixth chapter with me right quick. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 24 from the NLT. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at verse number 24. Everybody say one day at a time. How many of you have been guilty of looking too far ahead? How many of y'all have allowed worry to come into your life because you were worried about something that probably wouldn't even ever happen? But worry encapsulated you. Worry uh, took over your life so much so that, that even medically you were breaking out in hives. You were stressed about things. It, it, this does happen, y'all, by the way. Stress and worry can cause medical problems for you. Are y'all with me? So it's not even healthy to be worried and stressing out about stuff. I've learned how to trust Jesus. I've learned how to put my faith in him and to take it one day at a time. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, when he was teaching the disciples how to pray, he said, pray for your daily bread, didn't he? He didn't say pray for your 20-year bread, did he? Come on. Now, here's, here's the, here is the the, uh, I'm going to call the, the contradictory nature of our walk sometimes as believers. Jesus says, pray for my, pray for your daily bread. Now, we, we, we'll doubt God's ability to bring us through daily, yet we'll go into the title company and sign a mortgage note and a promissory note that says we're going to pay you for the next 30 years for this house that we're getting ready to buy. Now, you, you, you're going 30 years down the road saying that I'm going to have the resources to take care of this home that I'm getting ready to purchase. But then yet when it comes to God, we can't believe him one week out. Isn't that a blip? All right, now watch, 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 watch. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to, to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and what? Say it again. You cannot serve both God and what? Verse 25, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. All right. I know, and I've been pastoring now for 34 years, I know I got some worriers in here. I know I got people who stay up 
at night sweating things and, and, and can't sleep because of situations they have in their life and, and you have not learned how to trust God, I'm here to tell you that worrying is a lack of trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If the Bible says, don't worry, and I am worried, I am in sin. Oh, pastor, did you just say that? Yes, I did. Because I'm doing something the Word told me not to do, because the Word wouldn't tell me to do it if I didn't have the capacity not to do it. If I didn't have the capacity to do it. So it says, don't worry. That means if I am worried, there's something going on inside of me that I got to correct, right? So watch this. this is, that is why I tell you not to worry about every, everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Can we keep going? Let's go. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Aren't you more valuable than a bird? Watch this. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? It sure can but we keep on doing it, don't we? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They won't work. They don't work or make their clothing. Keep going. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. 30 says this, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Now, check this out. He's talking to his followers. He's talking to his disciples. Why do you have so little faith? Keep going. Let's watch this. Look at this. So don't worry about these things. What, what things? The material things? What you're going to eat? What you're going to put on? What you're going to clothe yourself with? Don't worry about these things. Saying what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. Back up. Back up. Question. I need you to check yourself right now. How many times do you find yourself worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear. How many times have you, worked, have you found yourself worried about, can take it a little bit further, what am I going to be able to pay this utility bill? It's summertime. We had 100 degree days, 15 days in a row. You've been running the acting this in the unit. You've been telling them bad kids, close that door and stay outside. You stay outside or come in. Mom, it's hot. Stay outside or come in. How many of us worry about being able to take care of our obligations? Now, again, a man ought to work and provide for his family, right? We got to work. It doesn't just drop out of the sky. Can I get a witness? Man don't work, he shouldn't. All right? So, so, but know and understand that God will provide for you. So don't worry about these things saying what we will eat, what we will drink, what we will wear. Look at the next verse. He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So if these things are dominating your thoughts, then you're acting like an unbeliever. I didn't call you an unbeliever, but you're acting like one. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Look at the next verse. Watch this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteousness and he will give you everything that you what? That you need. Verse 34, and I'm finishing up with that. Watch this. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. We just deal with today, right? All right, so, so we got to make sure that we... we if we find ourselves in a state of worry, 
then that's an indicator that we don't have faith operating us at the level that it should be operating. Because if God told me not to worry and I find myself worried, then that means there's a faith void somewhere in my life. And I can't pretend like it's not, well, but Pastor, you, you just don't understand. Stuff is tough. Yes, it's tough. All of us, if, if we, uh, if you knew all, we were talking about this morning, if you knew all of our stories and what we went through and what we've been through and how, and how God has brought us through, some of y'all would probably look at us a whole, a whole lot different. If everybody knew your story and knew what the Lord brought you out of, how he delivered you from this thing and that thing, people say, oh, my God, I didn't know that story. And I'm going to tell you something. It's good to tell your story as the Lord releases you to tell your story. Some part of your story you may not never tell. But there is some stuff I guarantee God, just like he did the Apostle Paul, just like he did Peter, wants your story told. Because you can be an encouragement to somebody else. Somebody who's had a broken marriage restored, you need to tell your story. Maria and I tell it all the time because we've been married 37 years. But man, I tell you what, they've been tired, especially those first two years. I didn't want her. She didn't want me. <laughs> and we were both saved. <laughs> Ain't that a blip? I'm not sure why I keep using that word today, Andrea. But give me another word. Ain't that a blip? But guys, we have to start walking this stuff out. That was a rap song called Walk It Out. Uh, a few years, now it, don't, don't go and look those words up because I, I looked those words up and it had some stuff on there. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> walk it out. You'll hear it played sometimes at athletic events. But we got to walk this stuff out. No longer is it acceptable for you to come and sit and listen and learn and not walk it out. Look at neighbor and neighbor. We got to walk it out. All right. So, 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 so Jesus just told us along with his disciples, don't worry. He's got you. Spiritual maturity takes many steps, but they all must be taken one at a time. You can't skip over it and go from baby stage to spiritual maturity overnight. It doesn't happen that way. Everybody say one step at a time. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. That's what Isaiah 28 and 10 says. Now, now I'm going to go through, and this is not on your notes, but I'm going to go through and I'm going to give you nine areas about the Christian walk that are listed in the New Testament. Okay, so you can, if you can jot these down, jot them down on the back. But uh, there are nine areas. I'm going to read it from the KJV because I love that term walk because, again, it's synonymous with how our faith journey goes. Many of us try to take these giant steps like this, and, and we're not prepared. You know, uh, oftentimes life is one step at a time. Are oh, you following One step at a time, I am progressing. One situation at a time, I'm progressing. I'm going through. I'm learning how to, to believe God in faith for this area. I'm learning how to believe God in faith for this area. I'm learning how to trust God even when I don't feel, feel him. I'm learning how to trust God even when I can't trace him, as they say. When I don't see him working, I know he's working. Oh, y'all listen to me? I, I've learned in my life that God ain't going to tell me every move he makes. Because if he did, I, it would blow my mind. Can I get a witness? It would blow my mind. I oftentimes tell you, tell you all, some of y'all, if God had shown you 30 years ago that you would be a member of this church, it would have blown your mind. You, you would have ran the other way. 
Jeff and I talk about this quite often. It would have blown your mind. But look at what God is doing. God has you here in this place for such a time as this to use your gifting, to use your talents to help advance the kingdom agenda here in Benton, Louisiana. I said Benton, Louisiana. And they said, don't, 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 as they say, don't sleep on Benton. Don't you sleep on Benton. Because Benton is growing, God is moving, God is doing some things, and out of a small town, he can have worldwide impact. Out of a small church, he can do missions across this globe. Out of a small church, we can have significant community impact, and that's what we're after. Let me tell you something. God God is bringing this eclectic group of believers together to fund the work of ministry, to reach people with the gospel, to show the love of God, and to show the the kaleidoscope of of believers coming together in perfect unity so the world can see the heart of God. And it's happening right here in Benton, Louisiana. Glory to God. That's why we're EBC of Benton. I, we purposely put of bitten in our charter because we want people to know where we from. <laughs> Jerry, you from Benton. <laughs> Gary said, oh, the old folks say Benton. I don't know how they get that out of there, but that's what they say. All right, so, so, so let's walk. So first thing is, uh, there are nine areas about the Christian walk that listen to the New Testament. First one is, we are to walk in the word of God. Everybody say, walk in the word of God. In 3 John, uh, verses 3 to 4, in the KJV, it says, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children Study the truth. I have no greater joy to hear my children singing about the truth. No, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, my spiritual children, are walking in the truth. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm tired of fake folks. I'm tired of made-up Facebook folks who presenting one image that ain't true and with your insecure self, got to have all those likely pets on the back. <laughs> Deal with your insecurities. Find out why. Because I think people are insecure because they don't know who they are in Christ. When you find out who you are in Christ, you don't need to be pat on the back all the time. Now, everybody needs a word of encouragement or a word of exhortation, but when you get to the point to where you get upset when your name is not called, when you're not in, in a place of position of honor, then there's some insecurity in you that needs to be dealt with. <laughs> I remember one time we were at a, one of these community functions. This lady, she's dead and gone now. She was a member of one of the local political bodies. She walked into the place. She says, where did the dignitary sit? <laughs> she's, she's a dignitary. Listen, I, I, and I, this used to happen when I go to churches. I don't have to, and I, I prefer not to sit in the pulpit. And, and there are some people when they go to a church, that's, that's common in a lot of Baptist churches. Where, remember, I, we took all that stuff down. Okay, because I didn't want y'all to see people sleeping while I was preaching. <laughs> and you're watching them rather than listening to me. 
I'm not knocking this. People have people up in the pulpit. That's, that's perfectly within your, uh, your, your purview to do so. But we just don't do it here. I'm not going to knock you for doing it. But, but to me, it's, if, if I'm watching you online and somebody's up there picking their nose, my attention going to leave you and go to the guy picking his nose up in the pulpit. Or the one who's doing this. Or the one who's over there looking at Faith. Saying, I wonder if she's still single. I wonder if she's looking for a man. Faith said, no. If the right one came around, Faith, if the right one came. Uh, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Faith not offended, y'all. Some of y'all, how dare he? How dare he bring her out like that? Okay. All right. Okay. Some of y'all looking for a man too. So, so be good. <laughs> I have no greater joy than to hear that my children do what? Walk in truth. Next one. Number two, walk in the Holy Spirit. We'll, we'll go to Galatians 5 and 16. Galatians 5 and 16 says this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This I say then what? Walk in the spirit, not just have an, a, 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 an, a, an experience with an encounter with the Holy Spirit, but walk in him. Allow him to have his perfecting work in your life such that every move that you make, you run it by him. If you can't get confirmation from your Holy Spirit who deals with your conscience, then don't move. I'd rather stay where I am doing what God has told me to do than to go do something out of fear and anxiety. So, so listen, I say, walk in the spirit and you should not do what? You should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you, if, if you want to try to get out of your flesh yourself, because how many, how, many, how many of us recognize and be honest and say, Pastor, sometimes I get fleshy? Let me come to this side of here. How many of y'all are willing to say that, Pastor, sometimes I get fleshy, sometimes I want to say something to people? Sometimes I want to, I want to, I want to, you just don't know, Pastor. <laughs> Stuff be running through my mind. I know I'm saved. I, I, I remember the day I got baptized and I'm, I'm, I'm a tongue-talking, devil-stomping believer, but there's sometimes if I'm not careful, my flesh will rise up and I want to cut somebody out. <laughs> That's your flesh. And you better do something with your flesh. Because when you do allow your flesh to take control, it will, it will, it will ruin your testimony. It'll ruin your ability to be able to speak, speak faith-filled words in the life of those people who you're in connectivity with. Amen. All right? So we got to make sure that we keep our flesh under control. Thirdly, we ought to walk in faith. And I'm just going to pop this right quick. 2 Corinthians 5 7 says, we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. Y'all know that one. We also, uh, in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it says, walk in love. Let's see, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and have given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. We are to walk in love. Number five, 
We are to walk in newness of life, newness of life. Romans, the sixth chapter, verse number four in the KJV says this way. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. If I examine your life over a period of time, and if you're doing this thing the right way, I should see some spiritual progression. I shouldn't see the same stuff that I saw 30 years ago. And that's, 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 that's disheartening for you to say, I've accepted Christ, but you're still doing life the same way you've always done it. We've got to start walking. Everybody say, walk it out. So walk in newness of life. Romans 64 says, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Number six, we should walk in integrity before the world. Walk in integrity before the world. Romans 13 and 13. It says this, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness. KJV says not in chambering. You know what chambering is? I had to look it up. Chambering means that you repeatedly engage in illicit intercourse. That's called chambering. Some y'all are like, huh, what did you, what did you, what did you say, Pastor? <laughs> here he's writing to the church. It says, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised. No, I'm, I'm in the wrong one. Uh, let us walk honestly. Romans 13, 13, as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering, which is repeated, illicit intercourse, and wantonness. I didn't know what wantonness was in the KDV, but guess what I did? I looked it up, so you wouldn't have to look it up. What are y'all going to tell me? Oh, y'all are so welcome. <laughs> wantonness means unrestricted sexuality, loose or lewd, porous. That's what it means. Chambering and wantonness. I, I stopped saying, look at the neighbor and say, neighbor. But I'm not going to say that. Are you engaging in wantonness? Are you engaging in chambering? <laughs> but guys, we got to walk in integrity before the world. So if you're in the church engaging in chambering and in wantonness, and the world sees that if you walk into a room and all the ladies in the room say, oh, there you go. He real fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you see him? <laughs> Maria and I were people watching in the parking lot and we saw this older gentleman. <laughs> and this older gentleman, uh, again, we were wondering whether or not he should have been parking in the parking spot. He looked like he should have been. We didn't see a handicapped ticket, but he was in the park, handicapped parking spot. But we noticed that when that young girl walked by, he was watching her. <laughs> now, now, we're not the only one that people watch. How many of y'all ever sat and just watched? People, can, people are very interesting, you know that? We just sat there and we people watched for a little while. And, this guy, he, he, we, and then another lady came by, he just walked, he kind of just followed up. He's kind of watching her walk. All right? I don't know what's in his mind. It may not be nothing in his mind, but it kind of looked like he was, you know, you should, you. looked like he wanted some wantonness. That's what it looked like. <laughs> to me. 
I bet some of y'all say, Pastor, don't you ever miss a Sunday again? All right. <laughs> number seven, number seven, walk in good works. Ephesians 2 and 10 in the KJV says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. What's the last time you served somebody? When's the last time you served in your local church or got connected and started doing something for somebody else? Well, it says we've been created and it's been ordained that we should walk in them. What is them? Good works. Number eight, we should walk in our calling. That's what we said here as we open this chapter, the fourth chapter, verse number one. I therefore, the prison of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Paul is getting into the practical part of this, the stuff that we've learned. All the teaching that we talked about in unity, all the teaching that we talked about in, uh, in, in, in witnessing and evangelism, it has to begin to show up in our individual lives. All the teaching we've talked about on, on, on giving and supporting the work of ministry, it has to start show up in it, showing up in your giving. Now, listen, I tell you before, we don't spend a lot, I, I, I refuse to spend time begging people to give. I'm going to teach you what the White Bible says about giving, and we personally teach that the minimum of our giving should be 10% of what we earn. But I'm not going to come and twist your arm. God will provide. But you know that God says what, whatever you have belongs to him. If you've been bought with the price and everything you have belongs to him. So, so as a born-again believer, if I'm a member of a local church that says that we support the work of ministry through tithes, offering, sacrificial giving, then if I'm not giving, then I'm not in obedience to the local house that I'm a part of. Okay? Okay? Are you with me? All right, so I, but, but I won't ask you to do something I'm not, I'm not willing to do. Maria and I tell you before, Maria and I will give liberally because we understand, we understand that, that when we give unto the Lord, that, that, then he will bless us with more to give. So we can, we can bless others. I tell you all the time, we make it a habit of sowing into people's lives. You may not know anything about it. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't for you to know, nosy. But we'll sow. We sow into this ministry and we sow into the lives of other ministries and we sow into individual lives. Because that's a part of God's plan for his church. We are to be givers. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over with men giving to your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet out, it'll be measured back unto you again. We don't give just to get, but that's a byproduct of giving because God can trust us. That when he says, I need you to go and sow that into Beverly Blake's life. He knows we're going to go and sow it into Beverly Blake's life. When he says, I need you to go and, and sow that into Gary Johnson's life, he knows he can trust us to go and sow it into Gary Johnson's life. And Gary may say, oh, no, bro, Pastor, no, you don't have to give. He may be like some man, you know, like, like I am sometimes, you know. Oh, no, Nate, Nate, just keep it, Nate, Nate, keep it. Now, I've been praying for God to bring increase, but when God said Nate to give it to me, my prideful self, oh, no, it's all right. God blesses us through other human beings. So stop waiting for money to fall out the sky and trust God for your increase. Work. Hello? 
Don't go around begging everybody in the church. You're able-bodied. Go and work. Get a budget and stop overspending. See, somehow our problem, it ain't even the devil, it's just us. And we want to say the devil is busy. No, the devil ain't busy. You need to stop eating out every night and start cooking. It's cheaper to eat at home than to eat at the restaurant. I know I'm talking to somebody up in here now. And y'all fussing, y'all arguing, and, and, and money is tight. Money, if you just, I tell you the time, Maria and I looked at our budget one time and said, you know what? This is when she was, you know, we would go to lunch every day. And I, I enjoyed the time because it was our time together. We would talk because uh, of ministry and family and we had kids and stuff, Bob and stuff. Uh, our lunchtime was our, our, our time to, to talk and, to, and catch up. But we looked at our budget. I said, let's examine this thing because, you know, we want to be a good steward. I looked at our budget one month. And we were spending almost $900 to $1,000 eating out. Oh, don't y'all look at me like that. Don't you judge me like that. Now, let me say something. It was not crimping our budget because we had excess fun. Some of y'all spend money on some other stuff. And we pretty low key about other stuff spending. All right, but, but my point is that we don't spend it now, but that was at one point in time, especially when we were eating out, we were eating um, every day for lunch, and we didn't go to McDonald's for lunch. Amen. I'm, not, I'm just, can I tell you all my story? All right, my point is, is some, some, some of you all are having problems, and, and there's some things that God wants to do, but you got to make some decisions about where you stand economically. All right? Y'all with me? Okay. I think I hit a nerve there. (laughs) Budget. It's not an evil word. Look at it. I can't tell you the number of times I've sent people to this lady right here and she sits down and do the budget and then you leave and then you won't do nothing she say. I can't help you if you won't do So walking good works, walking your calling, and lastly, walk in wisdom before unbelievers. Go to Colossians, the fourth chapter, verse five and six. Colossians chapter four, and watch this. I'm talking about walking, walking it out, walking it out. Now again, listen, I'm setting the stage for this, and you have your notes, and then again, I just want you to get, get in your mind, our doctrine and our teaching has to show up in our living and what we do. It's one thing to say, I'm walking in unity that, that I love everybody, but where is it showing up? Where's it showing up in your family? Where's it showing up in your workplace? Where's it showing up uh, uh, in your church? Where, where, where is it showing up? We got to walk this stuff out. Look at Colossians chapter uh, number four. Glory to God. Y'all, listen, and, and look at verse, there we go. Colossians chapter, let me get that right quick. Colossians chapter number four, and then we'll look at verses, I think, five and six. Watch this. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming 
the time. All right? Next verse says what? Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Go, Britain, if you can, put that in an NLT. And I want to flip back up to, uh, to verse number two. Verse number two, and I'm going to walk down through in the NLT. I want y'all to hear this carefully. Because what am I saying? We, we, we're going to begin to look at some of the practical things in ministry because we need to hold ourselves accountable to what the Word teaches us. If the Bible says do it, then we have the capacity to do it as we live and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. No longer is it an excuse for us to say, well, that's just the way I am. If that's where you are, change. If the shoe fits, grow out of it. It makes no sense for Christians to do some of the things that we find Christians doing uh, in the church. Paul had to deal with it. That's why he wrote these letters. There were things that were happening amongst born-again believers. These letters were written to the church. And he had to tell people in the church to stop lying. How many of y'all are in a relationship with people who lie a lot? I mean, you shouldn't be lying at all, but I mean, you know, just lie for no reason. The truth would have done, but you lie. Lying has become fashionable in the culture. A lot of our politicians lie. Now, I ain't going to say all of them. That, that's judging. <laughs> we got some honest ones. All right. Uh, but my point is this, is, 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 is we, we, at some point in time, this has to be walked out. And people, the world needs to see us loving each other. Oh my goodness. Watch this, watch this. Um, so we walk in wisdom. It says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Next verse, watch this. It says, pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his, there it is, his mysterious plan concerning Christ. Now, y'all ought to know what that mysterious plan is. We've been teaching this for two years. If you don't know what it is by now, you didn't mean to get it. I've been pouring your heart out. You know why I've been pouring my heart out with this? Because this is the assignment that God gave me. And you can't take that assignment away from me. I gotta keep, I can't live right if I don't fulfill my assignment. And that's what he told me. And I know when I'm hearing from God. He says, I'm going to use you to be a bridge. And I don't care what people say. I care what God says. And we're going to do it God's way. And so I'm not, I'm not insecure. If people don't like me because I'm preaching what God's word said, then so be it. I'm not out here trying to make people like me. As a matter of fact, I love all y'all, but I don't care if you don't like me. I, I mean, I really don't because I'm not going to do nothing to you. I'm going to love you, but I'm going to preach the truth to you. Amen. All right? And, I, and again, I'm going to show you the word. He said, pray for us too that God, Paul is the one who was carrying this mysterious plan that had been hidden in the Old Testament and now is being revealed in the New Testament. He says, pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. What was his mysterious plan? That he's going to bring Jew and Gentile together into one body. That is why I'm here in chains. I'm, I'm in jail because I'm preaching God's mysterious plan. There were Jews didn't like it. There were Gentiles that didn't like it. 
and he caught hell for preaching God's mysterious plan. But did it stop him? Absolutely not. And you got to be willing to stand in truth, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your child, whether it's your supervisor, speak truth, do it respectfully. Some of y'all are not respectful when you talk to people. Can I say it again? The Bible says speak the truth in love, not in hard heartedness and not in a disrespectful manner. I've said, I, even in my work, in my work career when I was in banking, I never allowed anybody to talk to me disrespectful, cursing me out because you're my supervisor. No, that doesn't work. I had a guy one time tried that and I stopped it right then. We're going to be professional and I'm not, you're not going to talk to me in that disrespectful, Amen. profanity lace way. And I never had a problem with him since then. He was almost like we were best, but he he ate me up ever since then. (laughs) But had I allowed him to do that, it would have continued. That's foolishness. Okay? Because I realized I had a skill set. All right? I had a skill set that was valuable, and I could take that skill set someplace else if the the situation wasn't right. Hear me carefully, y'all. If you are a good worker that has a valuable skill set, employers are killing for people who will show up to work. They're killing for people who just pass the dog on drug test. I talk to them all the time. They just, they're looking for somebody who will work heartily as unto the Lord. And if you've got a skill set, and you work hard as the Lord, and you know how to carry yourself. You're self-aware. You're not insecure. Oh, you can you you can find gainful employment or create your own business opportunity. Are y'all with me? So I, I'm telling you, people are hurting for good workers. So when somebody tells me I can't find a job, I'm like, mm, mm, you can't find no job, not one. I hear two men. Come on. So evaluate yourself, okay? You may not have a skill set for a certain job, but there's something that you can do. Walk in wisdom. says, pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in change. Next verse, four, five, and six. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. So Paul says about this mysterious plan. Next verse. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Here's where I'm getting at. How are you living amongst unbelievers? Your neighbors, your coworkers. Do they see Christ in you? Would they want to come to church with you based off of how you interact with them? Or would they say, it'll be a cold day in Hades before I go to your church? Everybody in your church act like you. I'm talking about you. Yeah, 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 you. Where people who know who work with you want to come to church with you because of how you behave and work? Or do you come in late every day? Slough your work off on somebody else. Go to lunch for an hour, but you're really gone for two and a half hours. And then you leave early. Ain't that a blip? If you get there late, you ought to stay late. Oh, I, I, I know I hit somebody right between the eyes then, didn't I? But our testimony counts. What we do in front of unbelievers will have an impact on our ability to reach them. 
live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Redeem the time. Verse six, and I'm finishing on this. Watch this. Uh, that right is verse six. Let your conversation, I, I meant, uh, if you will, yeah. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Can we read that out loud? Let your conversation be what? Gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Wow. That's what he tells us. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Stop being mean. Stop being, uh, you know, uh, using profanity. Stop, stop yelling at people. Hey, listen, listen. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. Salt adds flavor to food, doesn't it? If you ever eat food that's not seasoned well, it make it look good. And I've ate food that looked good. But when I put it in my mouth, I'm like, this ain't got no kind of season on it. Our words should be seasoned so that people will be apt to listen to us and hear us. So how you talk to people Hear me careful. This is, this is, this is a, as I end this right now, this is a message for somebody. How you talk to people will determine whether or not they'll receive from you. As your pastor, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do. And I hope you can appreciate clarity and understanding because I'm not a pastor who's worried about you going to fire me because I tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. I've told you before, I got skill sets. <laughs> and I still can utilize them. So I'm not worried about, I'm, I'm just worried about doing God's will. I don't want God to be disappointed in my efforts in teaching you the truth. So I'm, I'm going to make it plain. I'm gonna, I want you to understand it. And I want it to challenge you to be different. Okay? So as we go down through this, this, this fourth chapter, we're going to talk about specific things that we as believers should be doing in our individual walk. And when you hold the mirror of the word up and you see yourself and you don't line up with that, there's able one thing to do, but it's to, it's to make a course correction. Don't say that's just the way I am. Change it. With the help of the Holy Spirit, do it differently. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and praise you.